0: Foxley is all about helping people to feel confident in dealing with difficult customers, build trust, and strong relationships. In this podcast, we talk to talented people to share insights and tips on how they do it. Welcome to Thinking Outside the Fox. Today on Thinking Outside the Fox, I'm proud to welcome Connie Smith Holmes. Connie is Scottish South Sudanese, born in Khartoum, and now living in Southwest England with her family. She spent most of her childhood and half of her career living in multiple countries across Africa. Her career began with running a direct sales business in the US over her summers while doing her MA at Edinburgh University in Scotland. This experience has been the foundation for her grit and has given her the transferable skills to work in emerging markets. After graduating, she spent time working in the corporate sector in London, focusing on B2B enterprise sales, team management, and commercial channel management. And then in 2016, she set up a consultancy to transition her commercial skills into supporting the social impact sector. Through that, she's helped over 50 socially minded organizations and their teams to build culture, transform their results, while supporting individuals to become effective leaders. Focusing most of her engagements between London and Africa, she has spent time living and working in over 15 different countries. On top of delivering sales and business consulting services, she's been invited to deliver public engagements and run workshops at conferences. And she's also founded and still chairs the charity Evergreen Africa, operating in eastern Uganda. It's wonderful to have you on the podcast here, Connie. Um, Good morning. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks, Chris. A bit sleepy, but uh, very happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Yeah, thank thank you for struggling through um, another night with your young... Uh, young child and and getting up and talking to us this morning.
1: It's a pleasure.
0: (laughs) Um, So Connie, tell us a bit about yourself, introduce yourself to us.
1: So I have a bit of an accent that you can probably detect, which is often called Mid-Atlantic, but I um, grew up around um, different countries in Africa. So I was born in Sudan um, and my mother is South Sudanese and my father was English. Uh, so I'm half Sudanese half Scottish um, and I think that's formed a lot of my personality kind of moving around um, being very transient and adaptable uh, but I moved from Uganda where I'd started um, school to Scotland when I was about 13 which was a big sort of major difference in culture and weather uh, etc um, but I've sort of through the years found that i've headed back to africa so a lot of my work that i'm doing at the moment is um based in the african context and i work with impact businesses so social impact businesses that either care about people or the planet and i help them with their sales so i'm typically found being a sales consultant coaching um, sales leaders and at the moment i'm working with a social enterprise helping them to set up operations in, in East Africa, which is pretty fun. Um, I'm also a mother of a nine-month-old um, <laughs> who was born on Christmas Day. Uh, and my partner and I, um, my husband and I live in Devon. So we left London during lockdown and we were one of those um, London couples that, that resettled in a, uh, in a quieter part of the country and um, so i think that kind of summarizes a bit about um about me
0: wow what it's an amazing journey i mean you really have explored the world and and continue to explore the world um it's incredible You must be and must you must be exhausted <laughs>
1: <laughs> i i think that part i always say that part of it is um my Sudanese heritage and that somehow I have nomadic blood but I'm definitely somebody that likes to um and I think you can probably relate sort of get up and go and I like to be productive and to get things to get things done but um I love an adventure so I know that we're currently in Devon but I expect at some point um our family will travel elsewhere and and move elsewhere but it is um it is quite I would say it's quite challenging One of the hardest things I've ever done really is to start working um, when my daughter was about five months old and I think heading back to work when your um, hormones and your body are essentially telling you to nest and to to kind of look after your little one and to then engage your brain and to get it back into sort of strategy mode and um, looking at financial budgets and um, you know, thinking about traveling long distances and spending time away from, from them is definitely um, a really challenging aspect. Um, but, yeah, I would I would say I'm quite tired, but somehow you just find the energy day to day and just <laughs> and push through. And, and um, I think a lot of it is because of the sector I work in. Um, yeah. The impact sector is often, uh, you know, it's very different to just a purely commercial sector. Yeah. Um, I find that it's a lot more motivating getting up in the morning knowing that whatever um, product or service that my clients are selling is making a difference in the world um, and I think that's really motivating.
0: Oh absolutely and and the theme of um, the, the series of the podcast is grit and one of the things I wanted to explore with different people is everyday grit. It's we hear all these stories of people who row across the atlantic or climb mountains and yeah. what you described i think even just in that introduction demonstrates a huge amount of everyday grit the motivation to to you know have a baby and come back to work quickly despite what your body's telling you that demonstrates real grit and determination how how would you interpret grit in that context in everyday grit do, do you feel like a gritty individual?
1: That's such a great question. Um, I was thinking about this, actually, before jumping on the, po- the podcast. And I would say that I don't feel like grit is just who I am, but it's what I do. Um, like, I, I think it's a learned skill and it's based on, you know, my personal experiences and my exposure. And I would say the older I get, the grittier I get. <laughs> um, right. The more you know, opportunities I have to have challenges, and to solve those challenges, the more you know, the easier it is to to kind of handle them as they come. Um, and I agree with you that you know, day to day grit is things like um, figuring out with your partner how you're going to co-parent knowing that you've both been raised probably completely differently and had, you know, very different experiences, but you want to have, you know, family that has the same values and, you know, that's not always easy. And trying to do that, Chris, on, you know, four, five, six hours of sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Um, While um, also articulating yourself clearly, uh, working, you know, either nine to five or in my situation where I work with an American-based company that have operations in India um, and in East Africa, I am kind of available early in the morning and late in the evening. Mm
0: -hmm. It
1: really takes, you know, determination to say, I'm going, I'm just going to get it done. (laughs) I'm just going to get it done and I'll find a way.
0: You you tough it out or is there something else that keeps you going that gets you to answer a call late at night when you're when you're absolutely exhausted because you've been up since 5 30.
1: Yeah, I think that's a yeah, thinking about it in in that element, I think for me there's always been this element of myself where I've wanted to help other people. Um I wouldn't I mean I might say that I'm a people pleaser, but I definitely want to help others. Um, I think specifically for women we also have this inbuilt part of us that is just a nurture. Um, and I think it really helps me because I have so much purpose in what I do um, on a day-to-day uh, and what the impact that the work that I do has is um, you know easily measured for a business you can say I've been working with Connie for x amount of time um she's been coaching my leadership and now our you know results our sales results are x um so the the sort of affirmation or gratification for what I do is quite immediate similarly if I'm helping a business set up operations it's it's there but I also work um quite independently so I run my own consultancy um and That just means, Chris, that if I don't do the job and I don't take the call, often no one else is going to. So there's that element of responsibility. Um, And I think I was taught a lot of lessons early on in my career when I was selling books door to door in America. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was what I did as a student at university over the summers. And this job was ridiculous I worked about 85 hours a week knocking on doors in California selling books um, in an era where there's an internet um, yeah. <laughs> availability in each home so I, I did it and I did it well and I had a team of students that came out and worked with me but I had to have determination and grit to wake up at 5 59 every morning tell myself that I felt great and that it was going to be a fantastic day and I would go out and just take rejection all day and knock on doors because all I needed was two sales a day, even though I knocked on fifty doors to take home between thirteen to eighteen thousand dollars a summer. Yeah. So I had to take all of that, you know, rejection and hard work and sweating in the Californian sun while everyone else was at the beach surfing. Um. And it was essentially a lesson I learned was that you you feel how you you tell yourself you feel. Um. And it's not always easy. So there are days where I, I don't feel like I'm succeeding, or I have to cancel a call, or I have to postpone a call. So, for example, I'm sure that we've we've um, all had that situation. But I've had to postpone this podcast um, yeah. because I had an absolutely terrible night's sleep, and that's the reality of of life. Yeah. Um, but what I would say motivates me to want to continue to do it is knowing that you do need to take a certain amount of nos. And a certain amount of grit and a certain amount of, you know, challenges or suffering, whatever it is, in order to have the benefits of whatever it is you're trying to get done. Because I don't think anything that is really easy is as rewarding as something that you've had to work hard for.
0: I I totally agree with that. There there is so much more value in having to work hard for things. And do you think that the time you spent selling books as as a wonderful example there of demonstrating grit do you think that set you in good stead for the challenges that you're facing now about balancing life and work and supporting these businesses or do you think that was just an example of who you are that that you think will always run through was that was it a training ground should I say
1: definitely I think it was the it was the an experience for me, like I mentioned earlier, it was an exposure and experience that then formed um, who I was then to become. I think people aren't often aware of what they're capable of until they're really tested. Hmm. Um, And I think doing this summer job, you know, four years in a row really tested me because each summer there was a different challenge. So it wasn't just waking up early and knocking on doors from 8am to, you know, 10pm. There was also the situation where I didn't have a driving license. And so I had to deliver books. And I don't know if you know how heavy books are. But when when you have, you know, like $40,000 worth of books to deliver, they are really heavy. And so I Mm -hmm. had to problem solve and figure out how to get a driver to help me deliver all of these books in one week before I had to fly back to then start uni again up in Scotland. And I lost a delivery driver almost every day because essentially they didn't have the grit and determination to start their day at 7am and finish at 11pm driving me around you know door to door delivering these books um so i i think it's not only something that you experience and you have exposure to but i think it needs repetition i don't think you have a one-off experience and all of a sudden you're like i'm really tough and i can manage everything i think it's multiple um exposures regularly to difficult situations that allow you to toughen yourself I liken it to how we first start like my daughter's feet are lovely and soft and yes you know such delicate skin <laughs> and comparatively um I've lived quite a lot and and uh enjoy being barefooted and, and my feet definitely do not feel the same way and so I would probably say that you know through life's experiences you just develop this ability to to learn how to to take on challenges, whether those are emotional, whether they're personal, whether they're professional. Um, I think the way to develop grit is to expose yourself to challenges and to welcome them in and to try and solve them.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've, you've already mentioned uh, adaptable as one of the words that you used during your introduction. And I think that adaptable is a learned skill too. And I think it fits very much with, grit. I think without grit, you cannot be adaptable. I think adaptability is your response to dealing with difficult situations. And that might be the toughening of the skin on the feet because you, you're walking on them and you use it. Um, but it could be, you know, finding a way to deal with a delivery driver who calls you at six o'clock and says, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. I'm going home. Even though I've got books to still deliver, you need to find a way to solve that problem. I think the two things then go hand in hand
1: I I definitely do think they go hand in hand Um, you know I think there's so many opportunities in life if you just look at them where you have to look at something as um, you know something negative that happened to you or you Mm. can see it as a really big learning experience Um, I think I've had a lot of learning experiences (laughs) Um, so, you know, you asked me if the, um, the experience of selling books helped me in my career. And one of the situations that directly helped me is when I was working in, um, a West African country, helping a client to establish their field sales. And the challenge with that is not just that I'm in really remote parts of a country that isn't English speaking. But you have to spend four hours in a car to get to where you need to work at the beginning of the day and four hours to get back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite unsafe. There's lots of um, gunpoint theft in vehicles because, um, you know, they believe that there's value in in that vehicle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and you have to go out and get through that part of the day, which has nothing to do with your work, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to then reach a territory to then manage a sales manager who because of the cultural context doesn't respect me because I'm a woman and because um, I'm younger, I have a few more gray hairs now, (laughs) but um, at that point, uh, you know, looking youthful and being female was not a benefit. It might Mm -hmm. be in Western context, but not in this context. So, you know, I think having the determination and grit to still continue to, you know, travel remotely to different contexts and to try and coach people who initially don't respect me, but gain their respect through doing my job well, um, I think is very transferable to knocking on a a door in in America and having somebody look down on you because you're a door-to-door salesperson um, and, um, you know, slam the door in your face. And I think being able to take rejection was one of the biggest lessons that's been able to transfer, into my work so that I'm a little bit tougher, um, you know, and don't take things as seriously. I think that's another thing that helps with (laughs) building grit, um, is to just kind of be a bit more relaxed about who, um, you know, who's giving me a tough time, be a bit more empathetic. (laughs) 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 They're probably having a terrible day. (laughs) Well,
0: yeah, and I think that's the, you, know, you said you are how you feel and I
1: yeah
0: could not agree more. I, I've i done a lot of physical training in my life, various different things. And I, I often said to people that the gains you make in fitness and health are the days when you, you don't feel like going. And people look at me and they puzzle and say, why? And I said, because anyone can go when they feel good. Anyone can go to the gym on, on the good days. It's the people who go on the bad days; they're the ones who have been consistent, and then who ultimately will make the biggest pr- progress. And and that that's true for I think for everything. And I agree. And and you know what you just said there, I think, on underpins that you, the story you tell yourself about I needed to sell two books a day to hit my personal objective, whatever that might be. you know you you tell a story you knock on a door somebody says no you walk away Ah, that person's having a bad day it's not you're not taking it personal you're kind of making that making an excuse for them or I've heard people say things like I've had a no from this person which is one of the no's that I've got out of the way already so more likely that the next one's going to be a yes you know those kind of stories I think are, are massive and, and that tale, I remember we met a few years ago, and, and that's what inspired me to come and want to, to bring you onto the podcast, was the story of four hours in a Jeep to get to where you need to get to, and four hours back, and in between those eight hours, you're working. And, and what really struck me about that is the people who don't want to get out of bed in the morning to go to work because it's a bit far. And, and I used to live in a town in, in Northern Ireland which was connected to Belfast by a, a pretty rapid bus that would take half an hour. I remember meeting a guy who was a recruitment officer or a recruitment uh, business in, in the town. And he said to me one day, you know, I've got people who I'll offer them work in Belfast and they've been unemployed for years and they say, I won't go to Belfast because it's too far. And And I think your story of of four hours there and four hours back and and also dealing with the danger and the threat that exists during those four hours just says so much about you that if if you're recruiting someone you could go you couldn't go far wrong just exploring their experience of sticking to a task to give you a real insight as where who this person is are they teachable are they are they gonna stick with the job? I mean, wh- what's your observation? You must have you must have come across a whole range of different people in in through your impact work of some who are motivated and some who aren't.
1: Absolutely. And I, I completely agree with the example you've given, which is that um, you know, people always have an opportunity to do something. There's lots of hours in the day, and when people say I don't have time, um, know try having a few kids you'll you'll realize you have plenty of time but i i definitely agree with the recruitment side and in my work um one of the services i actually offer is is um headhunting for kind of senior executive level um positions but the the work that i've done is is also working with field sales teams you know middle management um executives And I've always told people when you're recruiting, you can recruit for experience. That's great. But I recommend that you recruit based on mindset and on attitude, because you Mm. can always teach people to do something. But if the foundation is that they are completely coachable and they're willing to, to buy in to your culture, they have your values and they're willing to learn, then you can teach anyone everything. Um, i mean i i've worked in contexts in east africa west africa southeast asia um, in the uk in the states and i've recruited in all those contexts and it it's a global answer mm-hmm. you can teach somebody how to do a load of things. If they believe in your culture, they believe in your company, they believe in your product. But What is really challenging is if people are not coachable, and they don't have the same mindset as you, then you often find people are dragging their feet. And you often won't get the results. I often talk to people about uh, the key ingredients to success being that you really need to find people that can build your business. Um, and you only really can find those people. If you look for people that are like you, so people that want to get um, things done, really people that want to learn and people that want to solve problems. Um, And that's the best quality that you can look for when you're recruiting somebody.
0: Yeah. We um, in the first series of the podcast, we talked a lot about motivation and purpose and people having a purpose Mm -hmm. and an organization having a purpose. And you can start to see how important values shared values and shared purpose become in this and and that's where i want to just touch on now is your the, the businesses that you work on you talked about people and planet they were good for the people and the planet how important is the businesses that you work in to keep you motivated to keep you waking up ready to do the next call would, do you think you'd have the same passion for something that wasn't so close to your heart?
1: Really great question. Um, it's absolutely critical for, for the work that I do. Um, my husband is also in a similar field to me, uh, but he works purely commercially. Um, and we've always talked about the difference between what he does and what I do. And... I think that he has a lot of determination and grit to be able to get up and do the work that he does because it definitely doesn't resonate with me. And I think the majority of my energy and desire to get up and, and work and travel and, you know, be away from my family or take calls at 10 PM or stay up, you know, finishing reports is all around the fact that my work is impactful. Um, My clients do incredible things like, you know, connect women that have been through the asylum system um, with women in work so that they can set up empathetic mentoring in corporate environments, um, or they connect people with herbs in nature, or they fit remote monitoring um, devices on solar systems so that Uh, companies can help people access, you know, electricity and power in areas where they otherwise wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, I'm working with a sanitation company um, that helps um, essentially children have dignity so that they can wash their hands and drink clean water uh, in a safe manner. And for me, that just inspires me. And I feel really lucky because I don't have to do a lot of the hard work, I'm often just helping these businesses and, you know, facilitating their ability to reach more people. Mm -hmm. And that makes me feel like I have purpose. And I think for a lot of, you know, the gritty things I've done, I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't have purpose. So I think a fundamental part of, you know, building that grit and determination in your day to day is finding your purpose in your day to day. And I have no doubt that I found mine. I know what my core competency is um, and I know where my strengths are and I know what motivates me. And I think surrounding myself with entrepreneurs, um, people that care about other people, um, people that have a mission and drive to make the world better um, definitely helps me get up in the morning and do what I need to do. I would really struggle in my husband's shoes to get up and to work in a sector where I wasn't making a difference to an individual's life um, inadvertently in some way.
0: Yeah, Um, would you describe your husband as a gritty person? Do you think he demonstrates grit in the way he works?
1: Yeah, it's a great. That's a great question. Um, I've stepped in it now. Um, when he listens to this, I would, I would say he is. I think he he puts up with me, so he definitely ah. is great. <laughs> um, yeah. but I think he's um, you know, we we met because he was heading out to Uganda to um teach at a school that is in a really remote part of the country, and he was basically going to be living in um in a slum, and he did he lived in a container unit in a slum in an area where he was the only white person um that anyone had ever met in their entire lives and um he was willing to do that because he wanted to support and help um someone that he had met and uh, that had inspired him and i think he has a lot of determination ter- and grit just from that experience how we actually met um he's put a couple of kids through school that our teenagers now they're well they're 19 and 21 um, from uganda and they are challenging (laughs) having um teenagers that aren't even your own kids essentially that you're responsible for is really tough especially when you know he was doing this in his 20s um and so i think that's what really motivates him to get up and to do his job knowing that the money he's earning is supporting those kids through nursing school and through school and giving them another opportunity as well as, um, you know, his direct family. Um, So I have a lot of respect and admiration for him to get up and to leave us and to go to London because now we've moved to to Devon. He's got to commute back a few days a week. And I think the grit that it takes for him to get up and leave on a Sunday night, um, spend three days away from us. And then this week, because of the rail strikes, he's, taken a train to Bristol, uh, rent, gone to the airport, rented a car and then driven back so that he can um, get back uh, to see us on time. So yeah. um, yes, I would say that he's got some great determination in the day-to-day. <laughs>
0: I know, I, I, it definitely sounds like he really does. And the reason I asked the question was not a loaded question to, to help you destroy your relationship because <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to do. But what intrigued <laughs> me was that you said in his shoes, I couldn't do what he does. And I think that's really, really important because I don't think, I think the connection between a purpose and our ability to stick to something really, really matters. And what I want people to take away from this conversation or one of the things that people can take away from this conversation is that it can be really personal. You, you can't necessarily say, I'm not a gritty person because I gave up learning the clarinet. If you don't have a passion for learning the clarinet, it, it's not a reflection of you as a person, and and I think there are lots of people at times who maybe beat themselves up because they feel, oh, I give up too easily, or there's a lot of people who feel I'm sticking to something that I don't enjoy because I need to prove that I'm determined, and I and I think that the two things go hand in hand. If you if you feel a purpose, then you have the ability to stick to it. And if you don't feel that purpose, then, then look for something that, that's purposeful. And we do some psychometric testing with clients before we do training. And the thing we're interested in there is that is that level of motivation, self-motivation. How do I feel about this or these particular topics? Because if I'm interested in developing and learning in them, then I'll be motivated. As a kid, I had absolutely no interest in learning languages. None at all. I didn't know anybody who spoke another language. It didn't intrigue me. I know it just didn't bother me at all. I've spent the last three years learning to speak Spanish and I have gone w- above and beyond to, to practice every single day, to arrange online lessons, to meet people, to watch movies, to read books in another language because I'm really motivated to do it. People change. And and I think that's what we. I also want people to take away here is that just because right now you haven't found a passion and you feel like I, I never stick to anything, I would urge people to find something that really matters to them because I think when they do, it will click.
1: Absolutely. I totally agree with you. That's such a great example where... When you're in a different part of your life, a different stage in your life, the things that matter to you are going to be very different to another stage of your life. So, mm-hmm. I, I totally, um, yeah, I, I agree that finding your purpose and being able to check it's what we call aiming. When I work with people, you probably do this. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, what's your normal? It's a lovely star? phrase, I, I haven't heard it.
0: I haven't heard it said that way. Aiming. I like it. Tell us more.
1: Aiming. So I got that um phrase when I was working with an American organization. Um, so that's probably why the phrase isn't as familiar. Um, but this, this consultancy would help um the people that they were working with sit down and aim and you would have aim time. So you would spend different times in the day. Um essentially sitting down and then focusing and planning what am I going to do so for example on a Friday at the end of the day you're finishing off work you think to yourself what have I accomplished um you know this week what have I Mm -hmm. done well what have I not done well um what do I need to start doing stop doing continue doing Mm -hmm. and then you basically set yourself the aim for the following week what are you going to achieve that Following week, and then every morning you check in and ask yourself, like, what have I got to do today? Is it possible? Is it achievable? What's the priority? And I think you can do this with not just work, but in everyday life when you're thinking about, you know, what is it that I deeply want in this stage of my life? What are my priorities? And um, what do I want to achieve? And that can be setting, you know, a short-term goal like yours. Um, you know learning a language is something that you've been able to achieve over you know a few years of like diligent practice day to day because it's something you really wanted to do mm-hmm. or you could have a 10-year goal which could be you know to buy a specific house that you might want um yeah. or move to a country that you've never lived in before. Um, so I think that aiming yourself and checking in because, If you try to get from A to B, you'll notice that life gets in the way. (laughs) And if you don't (laughs) check in and re-aim yourself, you're often heading off on a tangent somewhere completely different. So aiming is just making sure that you're heading to that direction that you've set yourself and also assessing, is that really where I want to go? Or now that I've gotten halfway there, is there something else that I really want to aim for?
0: Yeah. I like it because I've often struggled with the concept of goals and, and and psychologically, humans hate failure. We have a fear of failure. We, it affects our ego to feel that we've lost. And and for some people, that's more important than others. And as a, as a as a as a race, we we are more afraid of losing things than we are of the value of gaining things. And so, our sense of ga- goals, I always feel like there's a there's a sense of well, I need to set something which is achievable. Because if I miss it, it's demotivating and it's negative and and I, you know, I'm gonna beat myself up about it and people are gonna you know, you know, hate me for it. And I think that what's more motivating, certainly for me as an individual and for others, is a vision. Is, you know, this kind of more less less clear vision of the future that is more like a dream or like kind of a dream state. Aiming then I think feels more warm as a way of how do I get there? So what am I going to be aiming for over the next week? And then if you don't quite get there, it feels to me a bit more inclusive. So I was aiming to do these things. It was always going to be ambitious, but look how much progress I made rather than I was trying to, I, you know, my goal was this and I missed the goal. It, it becomes less abstract, less, sorry, less, less binary, not abstract, less binary yeah. of success and failure. And I, and I quite, it feels inclusive and it feels like it can be a short-term aim, a long-term aim, you know, it, 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 you know, my to-do list becomes an aim. You know, my aim next week is to get through everything on my to-do list. I didn't get there, but do you know what? I made it, I made a lot of progress. Is that the way it's used? or Have I misunderstood it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Spot on. It's, it's meant to be a very personal thing. Aiming isn't something that I can tell you that you need to do. Aiming is something that's entirely personal. It's what you set yourself that you would like to do. So it's about asking yourself, what do you want? Uh, How are you going to get there? And then putting those kind of objectives and, and, um, and, you know, the purpose first, and then, what are the different tasks that you need to do to get yourself there?
0: Yeah. And so how important is it you, with the businesses that you talk to and you work with? How how much time do you spend talking about the need to stick to it and be patient and be determined?
1: Gosh, I think a, a lot of the time, because I think, I don't know whether you have this as well, Chris, Um but often organizations want results straight away, and that's the focus of most organizations mm-hmm. um, and management. So people often management style is chasing results. And I've, you know, always work with my clients under the understanding is that I don't work to help them get results. I help them to do the things that are going to get them the results. So looking at the inputs and not just the output. Mm. Um, And part of aiming is focusing on the input. And so most of my time is spent um, working with organizations, telling them to be patient about the results, because until they invest in either building the tools and resources to help their team or building their team's capability and knowledge um, or making sure that the activity and the right meetings are being had, or the right stakeholders are being met with at the right time, the right place, then the results aren't going to happen. So I would say I spend quite a lot of time telling people to slow down and just aim correctly and do all the right activities that get the results. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question, or if, if uh, that resonates. It, it, with you. it
0: really does. No, it really does because I, I'm a big believer in inputs, and I think inputs are a way of um, demonstrating to yourself that you are making progress because the results don't come immediately. And I and I I always feel like you should never be surprised by the results because if you've done the if you've done the hard work is the way I phrase it, but if you've done the work and you you're doing the inputs and they're the right inputs, then the outputs will eventually follow but they don't necessarily come together and I have a frustration at times with organizations who become obsessed over measuring inputs even if they're slightly disconnected from what the outputs are. Um, One of my favorite things is is the law of association, so putting umbrellas up causes rain. because there's there's an effect, right? So when it rains, people put their umbrellas up, but it doesn't mean that putting umbrellas up causes rain. And I think there's a little bit of that at times in organisations that they focus on certain things because they think that's leading them the right way, um, but and and then they Absolutely. obsess over the inputs and not and not the outputs. But it, but I think if if you're doing the inputs for the right reasons to give people some some satisfaction that they are making progress, then I think they're incredibly valuable.
1: Absolutely. And I, I um I also agree with you about inputs. I think it's one of the things that you probably do, um, similar to myself, but helping an organization understand what are the um KPIs that need to be measured. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you're measuring the wrong KPIs or you're setting the wrong input targets, then you are essentially requiring your team to have the wrong behaviors you're incentivizing the wrong activities yeah and so often organizations think that in order to get results you just need to work harder and so there's all of these boiler rooms where they're saying make 50 calls contact mm-hmm. this many you know leads cold leads um and i've always been a believer of work smarter not harder mm-hmm. um although it's important to work hard because that also has an effect but your results are a combination of multiple things it's not just working hard you need to also figure out you know the quality of your contacts and the quality of your leads the quality of your conversations um you know whether you're talking about problems first or whether you're talking about a solution first um and i think You know, at the moment I'm um, a managing director, interim managing director for an organization and I have the ability now to set these KPIs and to set these targets and it's, it feels really refreshing for me because I've had all of this experience objectively looking at multiple organizations, you know, over 50 companies, helping them figure things out and it's nice to be able to do that from scratch, but most organizations build culture and Hmm. that's really hard to kind of undo through years of um you know getting uh you know different management styles in place so definitely chasing numbers can lead a lot of organizations into like bad habits around you know culture and especially with sales teams um how they treat their people and how they treat their customers and i think it's more important to focus on quality um as well as as numbers
0: uh absolutely And, and uh and I think pra- practice is one of the things that I push a lot with people, um, and, but it's in- intentional practice. Uh, and I'll give you a good example. Lots and lots of people love to play golf and they will play maybe two or three times a week. They'll get out together with their friends, they'll play in their, their local course and they'll play a round of golf and and they improve. They will get better at golf because they're practicing. They're going to golf three times a week. However it's not intentional practice. Intentional practice is that you hit your ball off the tee and you land maybe in the rough. And in, in a, a, the normal golf round, you would then hit that shot and you carry on playing. Intentional practice is I ended up in the rough. How do I get out of the rough? I'm gonna drop six or seven balls right here in the same kind of area and I'm gonna practice practice different ways of getting out of this problem. I'm going to, you know, try different things and I'm going to get better at it so that next time I fall in the rough, I have more skill, more capability, more options, more alternatives of how I'm going to get out of it. That's intentional practice. That's quality. People who focus on the boiler room, what they're saying to their team is, let's just make let's just play more rounds of golf let's play ra- let's let's play a round every day now it will improve you to a degree but it's not that real focused intentional practice of let's find something we're struggling with let's think about how we can deal with it let's review it let's focus on it let's practice it let's get good at it and then if it comes up and when it comes up we've nailed it
1: absolutely i think I think continuously doing this you know re- repeating until you get a perfect formula is is so critical um I yeah, I couldn't agree more
0: <laughs> Connie, we're running out of time as we always do on this podcast, which is a shame but um final question for you is you've had such a journey through life and I'm fascinated to hear the answer to your question of what advice would you give to a 12 year old you?
1: Oh my gosh, a 12 year old me. That's such a great question. I, looking back at what I felt like at 12 and, you know, who I am and how I feel now, I would say, be okay to make mistakes, fail early Mm -hmm. and learn from those mistakes. I probably the advice I'd give is you will you will figure out who you are and what your purpose is. Just give yourself time. Just give yourself time and experiences. Mm. Um, give yourself the opportunity to just yeah to just live, and through <laughs> your lived experiences, you'll you'll figure it out.
0: <laughs> amazing, amazing, Connie. Uh, tell people where they can find out more about you, the projects you work on, things that are important to you. Where can, where can we where can we learn about you?
1: Wonderful. Well, um, I'm on LinkedIn as Connie Francoise Smith, and I have a website, which is Connie-Smith.co.uk, where you can see some of the clients I've worked with, um, the services I offer, and uh, links to, to their websites as well. Um, so yeah, I'd love to connect with people and learn more about what they're doing. So if anybody feels the urge to reach out, um, I'm a huge advocate of networking and um, and extending our our reach and our impact. And yeah, thanks beautiful. for the opportunity, Chris. It's been a well, pleasure. Which exactly chatting how we met.
0: Sure. So <laughs> yeah, it's in, it's come to life.
1: Absolutely. <sighs> thanks, <sighs> Connie.
0: Really appreciate your time.
1: You too. Speak soon. I'm sure. Yeah. Take care, Chris. That
0: was Thinking Outside the Fox with me, Chris Webber. Our next episode is out in two weeks. Join us for more great conversations on how to build winning customer relationships. I'm looking forward to it.